As I stated in previous weeks, what we're exploring in this series is really long. It's not for the folks that like the cut and dry, the short version. Uh, it's for folks that really want to dig in deep because this is rich, it's multifaceted, uh, and in its great length, it also has great depth. And what I'm talking about is Psalm 119. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. And I've encouraged you as we go through this series to read it for yourself. Read along at home as we go through this series because each week I'm just pulling out certain parts of it uh, to, to just share with you what the Lord has been given to me. And you may say, I've not been here through the first parts of the series and so I feel lost. You won't feel lost. Every single message is designed so that you can pick up and feel like you've been here the whole time. I'll, I'll recap and tell you just a little bit about it as we dig into it today. Psalm 119 is comprised of 22 stanzas. Each stanza is eight verses long. Each verse is two lines. So each stanza sequentially begins with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So there was structure to David's wordiness. He wasn't just rambling on and being long-winded. There was a method to why he wrote this passage the way he did. It was very well thought out, very well developed. And in fact, there's a tradition in the Eastern Orthodox Church that King David used this psalm to teach his son Solomon the Hebrew alphabet. And not only did he use it to teach the Hebrew alphabet, he used it to teach him the alphabet of spiritual living. And I mentioned in the beginning of this series that Psalm 119 has some major themes that run throughout its landscape. And the first one that we dug into was David's emphasis on the Word. David taught us that without the Word of God, you cannot effectively walk. You cannot effectively weather and you cannot effectively war because how many knows that we're in a fight for our lives? The Word is absolutely essential to your walk with Christ and if you have a deficiency of the Word of God in your life, you will stumble. You will find yourself surrounded and you will eventually surrender. But if you use the Word of God in your life, you've already got God's GPS. You've got the road map and the navigation system to get through anything you might face in this life. Somebody say, Amen. Last week we dealt with David's instruction on prayer. And I hope that you've been praying the prayers we talked about last week that the psalmist modeled for us to pray. The first one was, teach me. Man, I wish the church would be teachable today. I wish all of us would be teachable today. Teach me. And I want to ask you, has the Lord taught you anything this week? Because if you pray that, He will. Secondly, bless me. I don't think any of us have a bit of problem in the world praying that one, do we? We probably spend way too much time praying that one. But thirdly, protect me. Listen, I don't know if you realize it or not, but I need God to watch over me and protect me from my enemy. But I also need God to watch over me and protect me from me sometimes. I don't want to squander my blessing. I want knowledge and protection from the Lord. And just as equivalent as God's Word and His prayer are in Psalms 119, there's another theme that I can see so clearly. And this theme should not surprise us because we know who the author is. But just because we know that he's known for this teaching, it doesn't diminish the incredible insight and the instruction that he is able to give us in this passage of Scripture. If anything, if anything, 
it should, the fact that he is known for this teaching should cause us to, to sit up and pay attention more closely. Because that third major theme that the psalmist, the worshiper, David was a singer, a songwriter, and a musician. The third major theme that we see that he dealt with was praise. That's why I sung that old school song this morning. And Darla had no idea what I was preaching. She just knew I was preaching on praise, but she had no idea the specifics when she prepared what she shared with you this morning. But David could not help himself. He realized that if he was going to teach his son, he realized if you're going to teach your children what's important in life, you also have to teach them about praise. Now, you can worship the Lord without saying anything. But if you're going to praise Him, somebody help me this morning, you got to open your mouth and let it come out. But i got to warn you something this morning. As David deals with praise, we normally love what he has to say about praise. You know, David said, with all my heart, I worship you with my lips, etc., etc. But in Psalm 119, his teaching on praise is a little bit harder to handle. Because this teaching has a little bit of an edge to it that sometimes it has to hurt before it helps. I'm going to preach against, probably, some things that you might have learned in fundamental, traditional Pentecostalism. Boy, that was quiet. But in Psalm 119, David directly deals with it. If you'll direct your attention to verses 61 and 62, and I'm going to read from the English Standard Version throughout most of this message today. David said, Though the cords of the wicked ensnare me, I do not forget your law. He's talking about God's word. At midnight, say midnight. At midnight, I rise to praise. Say praise. At midnight, I rise to praise you because of your righteous rules. In other words, because of your word. Today, I want to preach to you the third part uh, of this sermon series. We're going five weeks on this that we're calling Route 119. And today, we're going to deal with praise. If you will, pray with me and for me one more time. Father, thank you so much for your presence we've already felt here today. I thank you for these precious people that have assembled together here in your house today, uh, Lord, to worship together and to hear the word of God. I thank you for those that are joining us for online church today. I pray, Lord, that for the next few moments you would remove every hindrance and distraction that would prohibit us and hinder us from hearing and receiving what it is that you would speak to us today. I pray, Lord, that you would decrease me until I am nothing, that your Holy Spirit might be increased within me. I pray, Lord, that you would uh, help me, that I would not speak any of my own words, or even that I would declare your word by the enticing words of men's wisdom. But I pray today, Lord, that I would preach your word that you've given me, and I pray it would come forth in the power and the demonstration of your spirit. I pray, Lord, that you would anoint every ear to hear and every heart to receive what it is you are speaking to us today about praise. And Lord, I pray more than anything that we would leave this place differently than we came because we can leave here already saying that we've been in your presence. But God, let us also be able to leave here saying we have been changed by your word. We'll give you the glory, the honor, and the praise for what you're going to do in and through this word today. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said... Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise as you're being seated today. The first thing, if you're taking any notes today that I'm going to talk about, I'm only going to talk about three points. The first thing is the when of your praise. Say when. 
the when of your praise. The passage of scripture that I read just a moment ago, another translation said it this way. It said, though the wicked bind me with ropes, I will not forget your law. At midnight, that's why I had you shout midnight, I rise to give you thanks for your righteous laws. David is saying that I am bound by ropes. Anybody ever feel bound sometimes? David is also saying that I am surrounded by midnight. Does anybody else ever find yourself in the place where it seems like darkness is all around you? Right? Somebody talk to me this morning. But David was saying, even though I'm bound by ropes and I'm surrounded by midnight, I know and I understand that deep praise comes from and is purified or, or perfected by deep pain. Did you realize that? Deep praise comes from, and it is perfected and purified by deep pain. See, when you have a praise in spite of what may be going on around you, you have a deep understanding that your praise and His worthiness are not and cannot ever be based on your physical current natural surroundings somebody say amen what's going on around you should not affect what's going on inside of you when you have a praise in spite of the midnight that is around you see midnight is the darkest time if you didn't realize that it's the darkest the absolute darkest point in time it's the middle of the night midnight the reason it's called midnight is because it is p.m. and a.m. all at the same time. And in other words, David, what David was saying is uh, he is intentionally praising God right in the middle of things. Are you with me? Can I tell you this morning that it would do the church good to become intentional about our praise? David was saying he was intentionally praising God. Intentional means that you meant to do it. Intentional means that you intended to do it. Sometimes you have to motivate yourself to do things that you don't really want to do or feel like doing. David was saying he was intentionally praising right in the middle of things. Right in between the bad and the good right in the moment when the sun is completely setting and right between that moment when the sun will begin the process to rise again he said I'll praise you if my sun is setting and I'm surrounded by darkness but God I will also praise you because I know that your word says weeping may endure for the night but joy cometh in the morning I'll praise you in the middle of the darkness because I know that I see your light coming. See, some of us, I believe, are waiting until we see change before we praise. Some of us quit praising when we see the sun going down on our situation. See, some of us are more dependent on the circumstances that are surrounding us than we are the worthiness of the God we serve. When we see the sun going down on our situation, maybe when we see a job coming to an end, we pout rather than praise. 
When we see a relationship crumbling, we allow hands that used to be once raised in praise to begin to ring in worry and fret. And David was like, forget that. He said, in between, right in the middle, I can't tell if this thing is coming to an end or if something new is about to begin. I can't tell if we have changed from night to day, but I'm going to intentionally choose. That's a good word for you this morning. I'm going to choose to praise anyway. See, we can watch some of you. And I'm smiling at you because I have a seat that if I don't concentrate on the Lord, then I'm looking at you. We can watch some of you during the worship. And it's easy to tell that you think your sun is setting. You used to worship while we worshiped, but now you scroll Facebook. Or you carry on a conversation by text that could wait till church was over. Hello, somebody. You used to worship while everybody else just kind of stood and stared and looked on. But now, you're standing and staring and looking on. But we can watch others of you, and I love this, and I see this a lot, particularly in this service. And that's what I told the 9 o'clock crowd this morning. We can watch others of you, and we can tell that you're beginning to see the light. <laughs> we can tell that some of y'all have realized that there's some power in your praise. There's a meaning to your worship because you used to be the one that was standing and staring and looking on straight ahead or on your phone, but now you're putting the phone down. You're telling, you're checking the kids into kids' church or if you've got an infant, you're, you're getting them situated and you're praising right in the middle of the worship because you've realized that there is some meaning to your worship and some worth to your praise. And David is trying to teach us that many of us live our lives based on surface level praise. That's just surface level praise. Then, here's where I'm going to preach against a lot of what some of you have maybe learned in traditional fundamental Pentecostalism. There's those that love to praise when they feel it. I, I've heard that phrase so many times, I wasn't feeling it. Or man, I really felt it. And I'll never forget, I remember a lady who was very near and dear to me that I loved dearly. There was a revival going on at their church. And she talked about the Saturday night service. There was a lady that came that sang and she was, if I called this lady's name, some of you would know her. Some of you wouldn't have a clue who on earth I'm talking about. But she was power-packed Pentecost from the time she opened her mouth. I mean, I'm telling you, you've never seen such head slinging and all kinds of stuff going on, shouting and dancing, and that, all that's wonderful and it has its place. And that's what she did on Saturday night. And all I heard from this particular lady that was telling us about it was, oh my goodness, it was absolutely wonderful. It was, I, you know, they used to say in the old church, I've heard them say, I shouted on my feet. How many knows what I'm talking about? That's because we used to call... Praising and dancing, we used to call that shouting whether or not we shouted with our mouths. Are you with me? So they'd say, I shouted on my feet. She said, I shouted on my feet. It was wonderful. It was, you know, she carried on. And I was like, great, that's great. We were at our church on Sunday morning, of course, so there was a preacher that was preaching on Sunday morning there in that revival that I wanted to know about. And I said, it was a, a lady preacher. 
and uh, we believe in those around here, by the way, too. Ladies, y'all ought to be clapping, especially those of y'all that hold credentials. But anyway, there was a lady preacher that was preaching that morning that I would have loved to have heard her message. And I said to the same woman, I said, what about Sunday morning? How did that go? How did, how did her message go? She said, I don't know. I was so depressed I couldn't get out of the bed. Surface level praise. Are you with me? Surface level praise. Then there's those of us that praise when we feel it. And you know, the thing about that is you, you just never can figure out when that's going to be. Can I get a witness? You never can figure out when, when somebody's going to feel it. And most of the time, they're just sitting there staring a blank, and they don't worship very much. They stand and stare at everybody else who's trying to lead them in worship. Because most of the time, that's a result of the fact that there's something they don't particularly care for. Hmm, it's quiet. It might be the temperature of the room. It might be the volume of the sound. It might be the song choice. It might be the way the worship set is presented. Or it could be any number of other things that are based on personal preference. And they just exist through the worship. I love Francis Chan. If you don't know who I'm talking about, look him up. He pastors an awesome church. He's a great Bible author, teacher, and speaker. We use a lot of his materials. I've taught some of his uh, classes before in my class. I love what he said. Somebody came to him at his church one Sunday and said, I just didn't particularly care for worship today. He said, that's good. We weren't worshiping you. They just exist through the worship because there's things that, that are just based on their personal preference. But when you sing their song, or when you present it their way, when the temperature is good, when the volume goes to suit them, when everything else is coming across in a way that they like, or maybe sometimes they just wake up in a better mood than they have the last five Sundays. Hello? And they come in and they cut loose. And as we used to call it, cut a shine. Anybody ever heard that? They come in, they cut loose, they cut a shine. What's that mean? They have a rip-roaring good time during the worship. Can I tell you this morning, it took me a number of years to realize this. But you know what that is? That is shallow, immature praise. What do you mean, Pastor? I mean, I want us, and when I say us, I mean this church. I want us to be a group of people who praise God regardless of what season we might be in in our lives. I'm looking for us to be a church of in-between praisers. Are you with me this morning? I can't tell if something's just come to an end or something's about to begin. I can't tell if it's the middle of the night at the darkest point or if the sun's in the process of about to shine again. It really doesn't matter what's going on in my life. What matters is the God I serve is worthy of my praise 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. When you can't tell if my world is falling apart, See, that's just it. Some people, I mean, it's written all over them. Or you can't tell if everything I touch is turning to gold. Based upon my praise. You know why? Because my praise is not relative to me. 
My praise is related 100% to Him. You might say, Pastor, are you telling us to fake it? I'm not telling you to fake it. I'm just telling you, you need to learn to put the focus where it should have been all along. What do you mean? Listen, I, it doesn't matter what we may be facing in our lives. It doesn't matter how dark it may seem in our circumstances. The last time I checked, there is no amount of darkness that can diminish His light. The moment that He comes shining through, everything becomes daylight again. And even in my darkest hour, God has still been good. Even in my darkest times, God has still been worthy. And that's another thing. I am so thankful this morning that I don't, I don't know if y'all know this or not, but newsflash, your pastor isn't always worthy. He gets road rage. He gets people rage. I looked at my dog on Friday and I said, why do I love you more than I love most people? Because he don't talk back. He's real loyal. He just follows me around, loves on me, does everything, and I can tell him to do something, and he goes and does it. But I am so thankful that I don't praise God because I'm worthy. I praise Him because He's worthy. And bad days should never cause us to overlook or take for granted His goodness. Is there anybody else here this morning that can praise Him right in the middle of the night? See, most of the time we want to hold our praise until we experience freedom. We, we want to withhold our praise until we see daybreak. We want to praise once things change, and we should praise when, when things change. We should give God praise and give the praise report. But what are you going to do when you find yourself right smack dab in the middle of it? David says, praise. Then David continues to address the when of our praise when he says in verse 164, watch this. He says, seven times a day, verse 164. He says, seven times a day, I praise you for your righteous rules. Seven times a day. Is there anybody in the room this morning, you just love to praise because of rules? Anybody love rules? Most people say, ah, oh, rules are made to be broken. Most of you don't get real excited about rules. But David says, seven times a day, I praise you because of your righteous rules. He said because he's talking about his word. And I want to submit to you this morning that our ratio is so out of whack that our lives end up following suit. What do you mean, Pastor? David's ratio, and leave that one on the screen for just a minute, please, was seven to one. David said, I'll praise you. Seven times every day. My daily life is broken up into praise breaks. Are you with me? What's that? Time set apart for worshiping God and thinking about His goodness. David was seven to one, but I submit to you in the church, we've altered the ratio to one to seven. Every seven days, we stop to acknowledge Him. And only then, because it's church day... And even at that, we come in here waiting on somebody else to lead us into his presence. God help us. David preached worship as a lifestyle. But we practice worship as an event that we put on our schedule. 
And then, even then, we make it optional. David says no. Every single day, several times a day, he is worthy of my praise. That's the when of our praise. Secondly, the why of our praise. Look at verse 171. David said, my lips will pour forth praise. For you teach me your statutes. There he goes talking about the word again. Verse 175. Let my soul live and praise you and let your rules help me. David deals here with the why of our worship. Why do we worship? We worship because it is an overflow of my life. I don't worship because I am told to worship. I don't worship because somebody leads me in worship. Worship is an overflow of who I am. In fact, I am alive today for the sole purpose of worshiping my Creator. It's an overflow of who I am. Listen to me this morning. Overflow is a result of being full of praise. I want to challenge you to go home today, and me and if you do this, do it over the sink. The women will be smart enough to start there, but you won't. Do it over the sink and get you a glass and begin to fill it up with something, water or whatever. And then continue pouring into that glass and watch how it overflows the sides of that glass. And as you continue, as long as you continue to pour in, it continues to overflow. What are you talking about, Pastor? I'm talking about many times it's what's down inside of us that becomes the problem. And then it's what we allow to be put down inside of us that creates an even worse problem. Whatever's in, my mama used to say it this way, garbage in, garbage out. Whatever goes in will come out. But I promise you, if you stand over that sink and pour that water in, it'll continue to overflow as long as you pour. But you know what else will happen? Turn all the lights off in your house. Close the blinds over that kitchen sink and begin to stand there and pour in the darkness. The darkness around you will not affect the fact that that glass will continually overflow. Why? Because that's what praise is. It's an overflow of what God has done in my life. And I want to tell you, praise will never come out of your mouth if you're never filling up with praise. It isn't an addition. It must become full of praise. Otherwise, other stuff will overflow. You will live your life from the overflow. What's inside of you will come out. You can't help it. I'm going to throw this in there for free while I'm doing it. What you say and do in front of your children that are watching you will also come out of them. But David said, let me live that I may praise you. We sing a song around here that says, to worship you, I live. To worship you, I live, I live to worship you. We sing that song, but then we live like praise is an afterthought. My mouth must continually be filled with praise. I want to ask you this morning, what do you live for? What do you live for? Honestly, is it to praise? If so, why does that come last for most of us? If you are living for something, it consumes you. People say, let me live so I can succeed. Let me live so I can excel. 
Here's a good one. Let me live so I can accumulate. Let me live so I can be happy. You know, do what makes you happy. No. Do what makes Jesus happy. But David said, let me live so that I can praise. If our only reason to be alive is to praise, that means if we are not praising, are you with me? Then we are forfeiting the very reason to live or we're settling for existence or for something else that will never bring fulfillment and purpose in your life. You praise because you were created to worship. Folks, you will worship something. You will worship something. And if you don't feel your life to overflow with worship for God, you'll worship His creation. You will worship things. You'll worship a car. You'll worship a hobby. You'll worship a house that you really can't afford to live in but kill yourself to do so. And in the summertime, a lot of y'all like to worship nature. We'll all worship something. You may not call it worship. You may not realize it's worship. But it is nonetheless. There he goes again, preaching on me going to the lake on Sunday. Listen, I go to the lake on Sunday too. I just come to church first. We all worship. But we should be funneling that worship to the one that we were created to praise. And thirdly, this morning I want to talk about the how of our praise. Look at verse 108. David said, except my free will, free will, offerings of praise, O Lord, and teach me your rules. There he goes again. There he goes again, correlating praise to rules or praise to the word. But now, first of all, he says, except my free will, offerings of praise. You know what that means? That means nobody had to coerce me into doing it. Nobody had to get up here and cheerlead me, are you with me, into doing it. Now, sometimes when I take this platform after the worship said, I shouldn't have to say, let's give Jesus a mighty hand clap of praise. It ought to already be taking place. Accept my free will offerings of praise, Lord, those kinds that nobody made me do and teach me your rules. Listen to me this morning. You notice how much he correlates praise to the Word of God, I think one of the big reasons for that is here's another problem in the church world today. And if you have children, I hope you send them to children's church. That goes all the way through age fifth grade. If you didn't, cup their ears right now. Because it's not okay to live like hell Monday through Saturday and then come into the house and say that you're lifting up holy hands. Now, wait a minute, Pastor. This is where they should be. Absolutely, this is where they should be. Absolutely, this is where every sinner should be. I don't care where you was last night, what you did, or who you did it with. You're in the right place today. 
But there's a teaching that needs to take place in the church today. My God, help me. Acceptance and tolerance does not mean that we still don't stand for the Word of God and live according to the Scripture. There is a correlation between the Word and your praise. That's part of what's wrong today. Everybody wants the feel-good of the atmosphere. But nobody wants to live according to the Word. It doesn't work that way. But back to what's actually in my notes. Willing praise. Something that's not worked up. Not half-hearted. It shouldn't be like pulling eye teeth. Listen, I marvel, and I use this word at 9, so I'm going to use it again at 11. It just kind of came out of nowhere. It was a great one. I marvel at the Herculean effort of this worship team. Sometimes on Sundays. To get you to praise. I do. I marvel at the efforts that they make week after week sometimes to get some of us to worship. Well, it was too loud. Or they didn't sing my song. Or they, or, I love this one, it took too long. Why'd they sing that song forever? Some of y'all might as well cancel your reservation in heaven. Our saying now is maybe we'll sing till Jesus comes, but when we get there, we're going to sing forever. There is no end to it. If you don't like the worship sets here, I don't know what, I don't know what you're going to do there. I'm serious. It's going to be one continuous act of worship. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. A continual atmosphere of worship. And I marvel at the effort that they make sometimes to get us to worship and to praise. But what does any of those things have to do with God's worthiness. David said he's looking for a willing praiser. But sometimes it's like we have to be reminded of everything he's done. Every single attribute. You know, he's faithful. He's good. He's generous. He's steadfast. He's kind. He's merciful. And the list goes on and on. And maybe about four attributes in, we finally get a lifted hand. Or we finally get a praise of the Lord. David is saying you ought to be a willing praiser. See, the truth is a willing praiser would be praising before we ever get in through the doors. Well, you're talking about the psalmist. The same psalmist also said, enter his gates. That's the front doors with thanksgiving. Come into his courts. That's those doors with praise. I wonder what would happen if we came in here on Sunday morning and everybody that hit the door just started praising. My goodness, can you imagine? I wonder, what, what, I wonder what kind of strongholds might be broken off some of those people you've been praying for if when we hit the door, we just began to praise. I wonder what kind of deliverances, my God, might take place in your house and your family if you just give God about two hours and forget about everything else that's going on. And when you hit those doors, you come in and praise it. Not because you feel like it. Not because everything's going right. Not because you've seen the answer to the prayer but simply because God is worthy of your praise. See, the problem is we've made praise more about preference instead of reference and reverence. If we praise based on reference, we would be willing praisers because our reference would always be His worthiness. And if our praise was based on reverence, and we would understand that this book says anytime two or three are gathered together, 
God is in the midst. And so knowing He is here, we would not dare go through the motions if we knew He was here and be distracted. As a matter of fact, I'd love for some of y'all to see Jesus worshiping to the song you don't like. It'd be an eye-opening experience for you. We would not dare be distracted or be a distraction ourselves. And we wouldn't be tracking the time and worrying about what time we're going to get out of here. The Baptists are always going to beat you to the buffet. Get over it. We would worship. Nothing against Baptists. I used to be one. Now I just give them time to eat and get out of my way. Amen. But we've gone from being willing worshipers. And I'm wrapping this up. To being fleshly worshipers. So if our preference isn't met, then we're not willing to praise. David said that we needed willing praisers. If our preference is not being met, we're not willing to praise. Not my style, I'm unwilling. Not my speed, unwilling. Don't like that song? Unwilling. Not my worship leader? Unwilling. Had a bad day? Just not feeling it? I'm unwilling. We've already dealt with that part in the when and the why, so you can't make an argument for that anymore. It should not matter how we feel. We should praise constantly and consistently. I was created to do this. And when you realize you were created to do this, you will become willing to do this. Are you with me? When you realize you were created to worship and praise your Creator. And when you realize that when you praise, the Bible says He inhabits the praises of His people. When you realize that I may be in the darkest hour. You can come on to the music, Nicholas. I may be in the darkest hour of my life. I may be right in the midnight hour. I may be right in the middle of the storm. But this book promises me that He inhabits the praises of his people so it may be dark around me but I'm going to go ahead and praise anyway because I need God to get right down in the middle of it with me because when God gets in the middle oh hallelujah when God gets in the middle you want to see change get God in the middle you want to see a difference get God in the middle David says to offer up willing praise. My mind went back this week because this is the way it always works for me. I don't know about every other preacher or pastor. I'm not responsible for them. Thankfully, they're not responsible for me. But every time I prepare a message, I'm going to say 99% of the time, it convicts me first. Because I realized 
See, 17, you've heard me talk about it, and I never can get away from it because it's my story. 17 years ago, when I had a massive blood clot in my left leg, literally from my groin to the middle of my calf in my left leg. And my leg at the top swelled to 36 inches in diameter at the top, and that's the size of these jeans I have on today. So my left leg was as big around as I am. And they told me when I left Murder Mount, anybody know where that was? That's what it was then, Mary Mount. I'm just teasing. But they told me when I left there, if you even survive the flight to Lexington, that's what they told me, you will lose your leg. And my children were six and three. And I knew I was running from the call to preach. I loved to lead worship, but I did not want the responsibility to preach. I knew what that looked like and what you had to carry with that. So I was running from it. And God had gotten my attention. And I got in that helicopter. And I remember praying all the way to Lexington. God, if you'll let me live and let me keep my leg, I'll preach your word. And then I asked God, I said, God, please let me live to see my babies raised. Please, God, let me live to see my babies raised. And for the next, the next 11 days in UK hospital, there was six at Marymount, then 11 at UK. For the, those next 11 days until they finally released me, they told me every day there's cancer somewhere in your body. We've done this test. We've done that test. They... I used to be a lot bigger then. I weighed 296 pounds when I went in the hospital. They put me on NPO so many times in 17 days. I went from 296 to 269. That's how little I ate in 17 days. Every day they came in and said, well, we're sorry. You can't eat again. We're doing this test tomorrow. You've got cancer. We will find that cancer. We have to find that cancer in your body. And I remember when they brought my children to see me and they crawled up in the bed with me. When they would leave. And I was by myself, I would pray and I would say, God, please let me live to see these babies raised. And so this week I realized when I was preparing this message, I thought, yeah, I've, I've been faithful to preach his word. But I don't know that I've always been a willing praiser. I don't know that I've always lived my life out of an overflow of praise. So it convicted me first. And then you'll find this funny, but it's as true as it can be. I walked around my big old empty house on Friday while I was praying and Angie was working with nobody but me and the dogs. And I realized Abby was in Charleston. Shelby was in Louisville. He hadn't made it home yet. And I realized, wow, they're raised. And then I said, okay, God, now please let me live to be an old man. I realized he had kept his promise for me to live to see him raised. But then I said, God, if you'll let me live to be an old man, I want to go out of this world being a willing worshiper and a willing praiser. I don't know, maybe... You don't, you, maybe you don't feel like God's done that much for you, but I'm telling you, He's done so much for me. You, I cannot even tell it all. 
I could keep you here all day and just barely skim the surface of what God has done for me. So God forbid that I ever walk through these doors with an attitude that is not conducive to worship. Did you hear me? God forbid I ever walk through those doors and make this thing more about me and what I want than I do about Him and what He's worth. God forbid that we ever do that. So if you'll stand with me all over this room today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask you, you may say, Pastor... I hear this message that you're preaching today, but with every head bowed and every eye closed and nobody looking around, and you say, if I were to ask you, are you 100% sure that if you left this world today and went out into eternity that you would make heaven your home? Are you 100% sure that you would? And if you say, Pastor, I, I'm not... 100% positive, I don't know. Or you may even say, Pastor, I know I'm not ready. With every head bowed and nobody looking around, every eye closed, would you just simply, if that's you, you don't know for sure that you're ready, would you slip your hand up and just put it back down? Thank you, sir, for that hand. Yes, thank you for that hand. Anybody else? Yes, thank you, young man, for that hand. Anybody else in this room? Yes, thank you for that hand. Listen to me. Church, would you pray? God is dealing with some people. There's some people in this room this morning that some of you just lifted your hands. And right now the devil's already began talking to you and he's telling you some things that you have got to do before you come to Jesus. That's not the Holy Spirit talking to you and telling you what you have to do before you come to Jesus. That's the enemy speaking to you and telling you you've got to clean yourself up. You've got to stop this habit. You've got, to, you've got to cease doing this. That's the enemy. You know why? Because he wants you to walk out those doors the same way you walked in those doors. But I'm here to tell you this morning, the only difference between you and the folks in this room that did not raise their hands is one decision to just say, Jesus, here I am. Take me as I am. Forgive me as I am. Wash me. Cleanse me. For come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. You are one decision away. And I'm telling you, there is a room full of people here this morning that will testify with me to you. You. Jesus Christ will be the best decision you'll ever make in your life. Whatever you do, don't leave here today. Oh God, not being sure. You can be sure. You say, Pastor, you don't know what I've done. I don't care what you've done. The God I serve is waiting here on you this morning to wrap His arms around you. So in just a moment, when this altar opens, or even right now, if you feel like stepping out, I invite you, I beg you to find a place in this altar, and there will be somebody here that will meet you, and that will pray with you, and you can be sure when you leave here today. And I promise you, if you've had a relationship with Jesus, but you're not where you need to be with Him today, He's a restorer. I said He's a restorer. Of everything the devil might have stolen from you over the weeks or months or years, however long it may have been, he is a restorer, and I believe God will give you back tenfold what the devil has taken from you. But you must surrender to him. Now, for everybody else in this room, you can look at me. David says, we're to offer up willing praise. Not coerced and not forced. It's not an emotional game where we try to pull on people's heartstrings. But God forbid we try to make a worship team work so hard 
God forbid we stare at them and let them worship as a substitute in our place. This book tells me if you hold your peace, even the rocks will cry out. We need to learn to walk in here and live our lives as willing praisers. See, I'm praying that the day is coming. Here's what I'm praying for. That y'all change things up a bit. What do you mean, Pastor? I'm praying for the day that we come in here and y'all lead the worship team in worship. And they're like, well, I'm not sure if you need us or not. All you got to do is strike a note on the piano and the whole group begins to sing. Is anybody with me this morning? All you got to do is say, give him some praise. And the whole house begins to, an uproar of praise just begins to come out of you. I'm praying that we begin to change things up a bit. But here's the key. You have to be willing. He's looking for a willing praiser. I hope I've helped you this morning with the when, the why, and the how of our praise. So they're going to sing. And I want to invite everybody that will to step out from where you are and find a place in this altar or a place at your seat if this altar fills up and just get down and say, God, I'm sorry if I've not been a willing praiser, but I'm bringing my sacrifice of praise to you.